Father, you forgive us, Lord, if there be anything we've done that would hinder you, Lord. We want our, our faults and failure under the blood of Jesus Christ. We love you now and thank you for this opportunity. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I want to go to a few scriptures, uh, Lamentations 3, also Ephesians 2, and Psalms 136. Amen. <clears throat> it's good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen, to come and sing the praises of God and, and to be able to cast our cares upon Him. Amen, because He cares for us. I'm so thankful He cares for us. Where would we be, amen, if it wasn't for His grace and mercy? Amen. Lamentations 3 and verse 22, it says, It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because His compassions fail not. They are new every morning. And great is thy faithfulness. Also Ephesians 2 and verse 1 says, You hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. Where in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past in the lust of our flesh, Fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, has quickened us together with Christ. By grace you are saved. Psalms 136.7 says it like this, To him that made great lights, for his mercy endureth forever. The sun to rule by day, for his mercy endureth forever. The moon and stars to rule by night, for his mercy endureth forever. Amen. We'll let you be seated. The dawning of every new day is a symbol of God's light breaking through the darkness and his mercy overcoming our troubles. Every morning, it demonstrates God's grace. It demonstrates a new beginning in which gloom must flee. There is no expiration date to God's mercy towards us. His mercy is new every morning. Maybe you say, well, what about tomorrow? Every morning. In that they're never ending and they never change. Oh, sure, you know, we may have our ups and downs and we may go through times of weariness and times of failure. 
But through it all, God is faithful. Through it all, his mercy endureth. And this evening, I'd like to speak to you on the light, God's mercy. When the dawn of each day comes, it's a new uh, a batch of compassion that is made available to us. It's a new moment of mercy that is available to us. Amen. I'm thankful to know that God has enough mercy for every day. Amen. No matter what day it is, no matter how we may, what battle we may be in or what situation we may find ourselves. Maybe some mornings you get up on the wrong side of the bed, but even there, there's enough mercy awaiting you. Amen. You know, these words were written by Jeremiah in the short book of Lamentations, and he was in a dire situation. You know, Jerusalem had fallen to Babylon, and it was in a deep time of grief, and, and it was a lot of mourning that was taking place. You know, most of the book is lamenting or lamentations, but it, right in the middle of there, he gives us few verses that gives incredible hope. That in the middle of all our lamentations, in the middle of all our struggles, in the middle of all our grief, in the middle of all our trouble, God's mercy is new every morning. Amen. And said, so despite the heartbreak, despite the agony that this book would have in it that you could read, and, and in the middle of it, it still contains an incredible message of hope. In the middle of tragedy and suffering that we, you know, we might be tempted, you know, to, to think God doesn't love us or to think he's departed or moved away from us or, or to think that his mind is not upon us. But this scripture starts off that we read with this reminder, God loves us. Amen. No matter what kind of day you're in today, God loves you. Amen. No matter what kind of situation you find yourself in, that does not determine God's love upon your life. Amen. Some many translations call this moment God's steadfast love. Or, and this steadfast means it's a firmly fixed or immovable love. And in other words, nothing we have faced or ever will face will ever remove us from God's love. Hallelujah. Romans 8 verse 35 says, Who shall separate us? From the love of Christ shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword as it is written. For thy sake we're killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we're more than conquerors through him that loved us. So what we're going through does not change that he loves us. Well, the battles that we're in does not change that he loves us, but the sun came up this morning and his mercy is still here and his love is still moving in our hearts. For I'm persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So in other words, no matter what kind of day you ever go through, in your life, God's love will remain. Amen. I, I don't know about you. I've been thinking on these things today as I was studying upon this. And, and I, you know, we could very quickly wonder where we would be without God's mercy. If it wasn't for God's grace in our life that would move in a moment of our life in a very serious situation maybe that we were in or, or sin that we're in, but God rich in mercy would reach down and he would touch us and there would bring us to a place that we could sit here tonight and hear his words. Where could we be if it wasn't for his mercy? 
Where could we be if it wasn't for the grace of Almighty God? Now, I know people get in their minds that people that's in church has always been in church and they've always been Christians and they've always felt the love of God and they've always experienced the presence of God, but that ain't how it is in every life, in, every, in, in many lives and maybe every life. Amen. We have not, all of us were born in sin and shaped in iniquity and we came into this world speaking lies and, and we were separated from the love of God, but God didn't leave us where he found us, but God came searching for us and he looked in the darkest of places and his love was wooing and calling and pulling upon us and one day his grace and mercy found me. One day his grace and mercy found you and he didn't leave you in that horrible pit, but he reached down and he picked you up to bring you to a place that you are today. Amen. And then it reads here that everything that follows us is because of God's love for us. And Lamentations, this begins, his compassions are never failing. In other words, his compassion and his mercy is steadfast. It knows no end and therefore it will never fail. Hallelujah. Amen. This word is translated. It'll never fail. This word uh, is it's translated as, as, as never fail. It never will come to an end. It, will, it means it'll be complete. It'll be concluded. It'll be gone. It'll be finished. It'll be accomplished. It'll come to an end. This word carries with it a finality. So, amen. But what happened? He put never in front of it, in front of fail. He put never in front of it. Amen. He said it will never be fa- finished. It It'll never be concluded. It'll never come to an end. It will never fail. Hallelujah. His mercy is steadfast. When we are un, when we are movable, when we move away, God's mercy is steadfast. His compassion will continue through eternity. Amen. There's many scriptures in the Bible in 1 Chronicles 16 and verse 34. It says, Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. Amen. It's a theme of the Bible. Amen. Many times it's repeated over and over. His mercy endureth forever. Amen. So it'll endure through any storm. It'll endure through any failure. It'll endure through any mistake. It'll endure through any sin. His mercy endureth forever. Amen. And when you come to the last moments, you still will have his mercy and grace upon your life. Psalms 86 says it like this. I will praise thee, O Lord, my God, with all my heart, and I will glorify that name forevermore. For great is thy mercy towards me, and thou hast delivered my soul from the lowest hell. O God, the proud are risen against me. The assemblies of violent men have sought after my soul and have not set thee before them. But thou, O Lord are a God full of compassion, gracious and long-suffering and plenteous in mercy and truth. Hallelujah. How many can testify that? This God is full of compassion. This God is gracious and he's long-suffering. This God don't give up. Amen. You might give up. And as Brother Tim has said before, he's given up on a lot of people. And I've given up on a lot of people. But thank God he's rich in mercy. And he goes beyond my thinking and beyond my abilities and beyond my reasoning. And he goes beyond it because he will not give up. But he will bring his people to his, their place. His mercy endureth forever. It'll go to the lowest hell. That's what the Bible just said. 
you know, you don't get righteous to find God. God finds you and then he makes you righteous. You know, people get in their mind, well, I need to get everything right before I go to church. No, you go to a church and you get everything right. Amen. His mercy endureth forever. And it'll go to the lowest tail. Hell, it does not matter how far you are away from God. It does not matter how far you have drifted away. And it seems like you've never felt his presence and you've never been there. Amen. But God is rich in mercy. And God will call you, amen, out of the darkness into the light. Micah, verse, Micah chapter 7 and verse 18 says, Who is a God like unto thee that pardoneth iniquity and passes by the transgression of the remnant of his heritage. He retaineth not his anger forever because he delighteth in mercy. In other words, he likes to give out mercy. Amen, we, we could see a God like that. How many times did Israel, he tell them, don't do it, and they would, and he would send them off, and then they would ask for forgiveness and cry out, and his mercy would go after them. Over and over and over, God's mercy would be established, extended to them. Amen, listen, it was showing us that this God is full of mercy. Hallelujah, this message, amen, is not a message of law and legalism. This message is a message of mercy. This message is a message of grace that will go beyond your failures and go beyond your sins and go beyond your mistakes and show you mercy. God's love and mercy changes not. If he ever loved you, he always loves you. That don't always stay the same with men or with women. With humans, amen, our emotions are many times fickle. We're up one day, down the other, and then we have these moments of love and, you know, puppy love and this kind of love and that kind of love. And the next thing you know, he's, a, he's the best guy there ever was, and the next day you hate him. Come on now. I know Brother Joe done some things last Wednesday along these lines, but listen, we, we get in our minds, you know, our minds, we love somebody, and I, I just got to live with them. And, and all of a sudden, something can change, something can happen, and the next thing you know, that one don't mean as much to you as ever they did before. Is that the truth? Oh, I, I, come on, how many has ever went through something like that? Amen. You know why? Because your human emotions, they can change, but God can't change. He isn't walking with you one day and the next day forgot about you and the next day he changed his mind and don't even love you no more. If God loved you at the beginning, he'll love you at the end. Hallelujah. He doesn't change like men change, but he is a grace that I am God and I change not. Therefore, I cannot change my mind about you. This mercy and love and compassion how many times has it overrode our failures? How many times has it overrode our unbelief? How many times has it looked beyond our faults and it sees our needs? How many times has it found us in a broken down condition and it lifts us back up again? How many times has this grace and mercy found you when you thought you're just gonna walk away and you thought you're just gonna give up and say it ain't for me, but mercy and grace was on your trail. 
It's an, it's, this is a, a determined love. God is determined to save. God is determined to have a bride. God is determined to find his own. He will not forget you. Isaiah 49 and verse 14, but Zion said, the Lord has forsaken me and my Lord hath forgotten me. How many has ever had those thoughts go through your mind? Maybe words come out of your mouth. You know, thoughts that the Lord's forgotten me. I, I, he couldn't know, uh, he, he, he couldn't be concerned about me and me going through what I'm going through. And he turns the next verse, he said, but can a woman forget her suckling child that she should not have compassion on the son of a room? Yea, they may forget, yet will I not forget thee. Behold, I've graven thee upon the palms of my hands and thy walls are continually before me. In other words, I'm constantly thinking about you. I am constantly looking, amen, on your behalf to work everything out for your good. Oh, are we in church tonight? Amen, I'm constantly watching over you, even beyond your mistakes and beyond your failures and beyond the things in your wrong choices. I'm still looking out after you and I'm still watching over you and I'm bringing everything about for your good. Because I can't forget you. I'm so thankful he can't forget me. He said, Brother Timothy, I feel like I'm gonna be left behind. You cannot be left behind because he cannot forget you. You were in his mind before the foundation of the world. He's been dreaming about this moment. He's been thinking about this moment. He's been waiting for this moment to bring a body change and, and bring you into his presence. God's not gonna come to this moment and say, wash his hands up and walk away. No, no, he has been waiting for this moment. Anticipation. Isaiah 44, 21 says like this. It says, I, the Lord, made you, and I will not forget you. Amen. Isaiah 66, 13 says, as a mother comforts her child, so will I comfort you. It's something about seeing a baby being rocked in a mother's arms. Just comforting, be laid on the shoulder. You know, as an adult, sometimes you think, man, that'd be a nice place to just go take a nap. Just, he said, as a mother comforts her child, so will I comfort you. So where are you at tonight, church? You're in the arms of Jesus. <laughs> ah, that ain't the winds and waves that are rocking, that's his hands that are rocking. And he's moving you and he's moving you this way and he's moving you that way so you won't meet that destruction. And he's moving you this way so you don't crash over there. And he's moving you this way so you'll get out of harm's way there. God is working everything according to his will for your good. Psalms 103.13 says, As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord also has compassion on those who fear him. This is another word for mercy. This is another word for grace. 
It's like Jesus said, if your child asked for a, a piece of bread, would you give him a stone? You as an earthly father, your child's hungry. And he, she, he or she comes up and says, Daddy, I'm hungry. Go eat one of them rocks. No, no, you're going to do everything you can to provide. To give them something to bring nourishment to them, to, to quench that hunger on the inside of them. And he said, how much more is your heavenly father? So why don't you ask? He said, ask and you shall receive. He's not going to turn around. You ask for one of his promises to be fulfilled and he turns around and he gives you bitterness and he gives you pain and he gives you suffering. No, God's going to, he's going to bring his word to pass. Psalms 27.10 says, even if my mother and father and mother abandon me, the Lord will hold me close. Hallelujah. Amen. Maybe, I don't even want to ask the question, but there may no doubt people sitting here that your mother and father abandoned you, pushed you out or turned you down or you don't have a good relationship with them. But that ain't, he said, even if they do walk away, I still got you. I'm still watching over you. I'm still making things right. I'm still moving things in the right directions. I'm still, amen, coming on the scene for you. Isaiah 49, 16, see, I've engraved you on the palms of my hand. I, 46, 4 says, I am your God, and I will take care of you until you're old and your hair is gray. How many gray-headed people we got in the building tonight? I'm getting there. But even when you're old, his mercies is not just for young. His grace is not just for the young. His healing is not just for the young. His love is not just for the young. Amen, when you're old and, and your hair is gray, I will still take care of you. I made you and will care for you. I will give you help. And rescue you. Amen. Hallelujah. I know this is for somebody tonight. Amen. Yet in all of this, we did nothing to compel this love. And all of this, neither can you do anything to repel the love. You didn't ask for it and you can't push it away. If God loves you, he always loves you. He loved us and had mercy on us even when we were unlovable. When we were sinners, alienated without God, in the world, in the muck of mud, God came to us. He didn't come to you because you looked like you'd be a good Christian. He didn't come to you because you looked like you had it all together. He didn't come to you because you had so much in your bank account and you had, and you had so much of this and so much of that. Amen, you, you had love just coming out of you and mercy out of you. Oh, that'd make a good son. No, he came to you when you were alienated and without God in the muck of the mud and God came to you. He sought you out. 
He sought you out. You never sought God. God sought you. You say, why am I even here tonight? Because God is pulling on your heart. God is calling upon you and he's drawing you. He said, no man can come to me except the Father draw him first. God came down in that muck where you are or where you were and sought you out and brought you out. (laughs) Maybe I'm... Maybe I'm in a different, maybe I'm in a time warp or something, but this is shout material right here. Because God didn't just sought, seek you out, He brought you out. He didn't come to make fun of you and point fingers at you and say, Look at you, wallowing around in that mud. No, He said, Come, I come to get you out of here. I come to bring you out of this place. I come to redeem you and make you my son and make you my daughter. He caught me when I was nothing. Brother Bradham said, I'm still nothing, but I'm in his hand. He caught me. He loved me when I was unlovable. He loved you when you was unlovable, but he didn't leave you unlovable. He changed you. (laughs) Just like the color sister said that time in her testimony, she said, I'm not what I ought to be. And I'm not what I want to be. But thank God I'm not what I used to be. Hallelujah. Everyone is going to have that same testimony tonight. She knew where she had come from somewhere. Something had happened. And that's the way it is. If God, when I was alienated from him, so loved me till he stooped down to get me and pick me up, it gives me enough confidence that he wants to use me. That he put me here for a purpose. He put me here to use me. He put me here, amen, that others can see God's grace. He said, look at the millions he could have took beside you. Just look at the millions he could have chose besides you. But he chose you. (laughs) He chose you and he took you. Amen. No one can take your place. Come on now because I didn't choose you. Nobody, no man in here chose you. God chose you. And if God chose you, then no one else, somebody say that, no one else can take your place. We're all important to the economy of God. Every last one of us, it's his mercy to us. Jesus said, no man can come to me except the Father draw him. And all the Father has given me will come. I like that. I like that promise right there. No one can come to me except the Father draw me, draw him, and all that the Father has given me will come. So right there, he prophesied your coming. 
Right there, when you was before you was ever born in sin, before you ever spoke one lie, it was already a prophecy hanging over your head. Say, the devil's gonna do everything he can. He'll put you in bar rooms, he'll put you in drugs, he'll take you out into ungodly places, but you will come. And it won't be by your choice. It's by God's choice and God's choosing. And it won't be by the devil's choice. He'll try everything he can to hold you. He'll try to pull you back down. He'll try to turn you back around. But he can't do it because there's another lie that's pulling you the other way. Hallelujah. Amen. Why are you going this way? I'm going this way because he's pulling me this way. Why are you going towards the rapture? I'm going that way because he's pulling me that way. And there ain't nothing the devil can do about it. If he could do something about it, he already would have. It's not him that willeth or him that runneth. It's God that showeth mercy. God is the one that does the choosing. Jesus said it like this. He said, you haven't chosen me. I choose you. (laughs) Him making the Abrahamic covenant in Genesis 12, it was given unconditionally. Therefore, it's eternal because it's unconditional. Not if you will, I will. He said, I have. It's already done. I've done it. He said, God is so determined to save men. God is more determined than you are. Because many of you were determined to walk the wrong way, make choices the wrong all over and over and over, going straight to hell. But God was more determined than you were. He's more determined than the devil is. He's going to hold on. He's going to pull. And he's going to pull until he brings those seeds to life. Not you will, I will. I've already done it. I've done it. Amen. He made those before. You will, I will. Man broke it. Man can't keep a covenant. So God saves a man by his grace under a covenant that's unconditional, never ending, perfect. He said, it isn't because you do something. It's because God's already did something. Amen. Amen. Wish a few Catholics could get a hold of that. It's not because you do something. It's because God's already did something. Not because you chose God. It's because God chose you. (laughs) Oh, hallelujah. People say, oh, I I sought God and I sought God. You didn't. hate to tell you that. You didn't. God was seeking you. God was knocking on your heart. God was pulling at your heartstrings. Jesus said, you haven't chosen me, I chose you. And let me tell you, you haven't been chosen on a team that's gonna lose. Jesus has never lost. Hallelujah, you've been chosen by the champion of champions, the God of gods, the creator of heaven and earth, and his mercy endures forever, and he's gonna win. Let me tell you something. Over Laodicea, he is going to win. 
over every spirit of the enemy of this age, he will win. You're not saved because you're a good person. Because <laughs> there's a lot of you wasn't even good people. I wasn't even a good person. You're saved because Christ chose you. No man seeks God, God seeks man. Jesus said, no man can come to me except my Father draw him first. And if we could stop for a few moments and realize the great importance of one thing, that it was God who chose you, and he's not willing that you should perish. Hello. He's not willing that you should perish. So you might go through great difficulties in this life. You may go through great losses. You may go through great battles. You may lose everything, but you'll not perish. He's not willing that you would perish, but to give you the opportunity and call you and elect you to be his servant. What can be more precious than that without you even having a choice? It would be totally impossible for any man to seek God, for he is by nature a sinner. He has nothing within him to give a desire to serve God. But it was God that was seeking me. Brother Bradham talks, he says, I want to talk a little bit about myself. Who could be any lower than I am? Where was I? I came out of a family of drunkards. I came out of a family of murderers. I came out of a family of bootleggers. You know, and you know that, every one of you know it. Know what kind of name we Branhams had here. People didn't speak to us on the street. I'd go downtown, start to talk to somebody. Nobody would want to talk to me unless somebody else wasn't around. They'd talk to me, but somebody else come up, they'd leave me. But one day I came into the presence of God, and he changed me, and he made me another kind of son. <laughs> Hallelujah. His grace brought me into his presence, and I've never wanted to leave it. He said, I've been here some now, 30 some odd years, and I don't want to leave it. I got the assurance that I'll always be there. Even death itself will never separate me from his presence. I will be with him forever. Amen. When I seen his presence the first time, I cried like Isaiah, woe is me. But then he touched me with his grace. And I was a changed person. The little renegade that used to get on out here and carry on and everything was changed. And since then, I've, I've, I've been his child. Since then, I've desired to give my whole life to him. Only wish I had 10,000 more lives to give for him. This one's getting pretty well worn out now. 53 years has passed. About 33 of those have been, or 32 of those have been in the gospel I wish I had another thousand years I could spend when I could once get into his presence and realize that there was somebody who loved the unlovable. There was somebody who loved me when no one else did. There was somebody who cared for me when no one else cared. I put my arms around his cross. I embraced it to me. And me to him became one then. 
And from then on, I've been in love with him. Amen. I, I never desire to leave his holy place. Though the tempters to persuade me often has tried, I'm safe in God's pavilion, happy I am in his love and grace, and I'm living on the hallelujah side. <laughs> hallelujah. Well, hey, man, maybe you ain't living there quite yet, but why don't you just come on over? The hallelujah side's a good side to be on. But the Bible says, you hath he quickened who were once dead. You hath he quickened who was once dead, dead in sins and trespasses, walking in things of the world, desiring the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and the mind. And we're by nature the children of wrath. But what caused the change? Your conversation or your manner of living was after the children of disobedience. You sought to pleasure the flesh and to pleasure the things of, and the pleasure, find pleasures in the things of this world. And, and that's all that could consume your mind and, until it took you to some very dark places and you would find yourself maybe drunk in a gutter somewhere or all high on some dope or, or some drugs. But something took place. Something happened. There was a change. Listen, as we said it the other day, last time I believe we was ministering on some of these things. Amen. Listen, you know, many people says, well, Christ threw me a lifeline and that's fine and dandy. But the way this, word, the way this is worded here, you wasn't out floating out on the water somewhere and he threw you a life vest. You were floating face down dead. No life. No abilities on your own to pick yourself up. No abilities on your own to make yourself anybody. No abilities on your own to bring you more holiness or bring you into godliness or bring you into love. Bring you into, there was no abilities in yourself. You were floating face down, dead. But Christ walked out on that water. And he comes seeking after you. And he found this one laying here and he said, that one's mine. And if he's mine, I'm not going to leave him there. And he reaches down and he picks you up out of that old watery, miry clay. And he walks you over to some solid ground. And he lays you there upon the word of God. And he blows the life of God inside of you. You've made you quick and made you come to life. Made you come to life once in times past dead. Even, you know, maybe tonight you can look back and say, yes, I thought I was alive, but I was truly dead. I was in dead sins and shaped in iniquities. But now, why aren't you dead tonight as you were then? He said, you deserve to be dead because you were a sinner. <laughs> but God... I love it when he puts his conjunction in there. You were headed one way, but God. You were born in sin and shaped in iniquity, but God. You were going down to hell, but God. You were lost and out there and didn't know how to get back, but God, who is rich in mercy. In other words, he's abundant in mercy. He's not about to run out of mercy. I want to say mercy's over, mercy ain't over. Mercy, no. 
No, no, God is still a merciful God. Now, there is going to come a time that he's going to be a God of judgment. But in the times of judgment, your love, his love for you will not change. <laughs> God who is rich. You know, this word rich is not talking about riches like what we think of riches. Maybe we think of riches as having a big bank account or, you know, or whatever, houses, lands, this, that, and the other. But it's a greater meaning to that because he's rich. You know, you can take the richest man, and I believe right now supposedly it's Elon Musk, but he can come to the end of his resources. He can come to the end of his ability to buy just a bottle of water. He can come, no matter how elevated he is and how rich he is right now, he could lose it all just in a moment. Many rich men have done it before. Many, many have been there on the top 10 list and you can't even find them. Even down, way down, they've lost everything. It happens. It's happened over and over throughout history. But this riches, riches is not talking about as man counts riches. Amen, because this is God's riches. And God, if he's rich, he has unlimited riches. So therefore, he has unlimited grace. He has unlimited mercy. He has unlimited healing abilities. He has unlimited abilities to reach down. You can, if you're one of his, you can't go down far enough that his arm will not reach down to where you're at because he has unlimited power to go to where you're at. And the devil can put all his powers upon you. But I want you to understand, as man is limited, so is the devil limited. He has only so much sin. He has only so much demons. He has only so much abilities. And he can only hold you so much. But God's riches overrides his abilities. And it overrides his sin. And it overrides his unbelief. And it overrides him altogether. And it raises you up. God's abilities cannot be judged as man would judge another man's ability because we all have limitations. We all have limited things. We're, 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 we're a finite being right now, so it's limited. He can only see so far. He can only feel so much. He can only do so much. But I'm glad that God is rich in mercy. I've needed it a lot in my life. I mean, say the same thing. I've needed his mercy a lot in my life. I need it even now. Hallelujah. So, amen. If it was just money, if it was just rich in money, that'd be, you know, he is, he is, he is a provider. That's a wonderful thing. We, we, we talk about him as our provider, and he, he's done that. How many can say God's a provider? If he was just rich in materials, and we can say, yes, he, he can give many different things and provide many different ways. But yet the greatest thing is he's rich in mercy. Tonight is a night of mercy. He 
goes into, you could go read, listen to the tape. God rich in mercy is a wonderful message. Talks about the seed that must die, germinal life must die, but rot. It doesn't rot, it's, it won't live. It's got to completely be done away with, it's finished. And until we get to the place that our own ideas and our own thinking is completely gone and rotted away from us, then, then that germ of life can begin to live. He said, maybe I need to interject a little doctrine here. He says, I believe that a man, if he's born in this world, that when you're a little baby born in the world, you can you could not have been here without being in the foreknowledge of God because he's infinite and he knows all things. And when that little baby is born into the world, there's something in that baby. If he's ever going to have life, there's something in there, in that child then, that he comes to sooner or later. Now the life he's talking about, not I'm living, no, the eternal life. If he ever comes, there's something that's placed there on the inside of him. You were not seed of God when you came to the altar. Amen. That's not when you were seed. You were seed of God before the foundation of the world. God placed that seed on the inside of you. Come on now. Just like in a natural man, there's certain seeds that are ordained to life. Now, people get upset because they think, well, God loves everybody. No, God doesn't love everybody. Read the Bible. Matter of fact, God hates certain people. He said, Jacob have I loved, Esau have I hated. So let me ask you this. Is anybody mad at you, mad, mad at me because I love Luke and I love Andrew and I love Adriana and I love Katie more than I maybe love some of these others? I treat them special and I do special things for them and, and I pr- try to provide for them and I try to do, do whatever I can to make sure their needs are provided for. Is anybody else mad? No, no. Why? Because they're my sons. They're my daughters. They came from me. So therefore, I, I, I have, I'm in a covenant with them to take care of them. And yes, I have limited resources and sometimes I can't do as much as I want to, but that's not God. You came from him and he's not gonna run out of ability to take care of you. He's not gonna run out of ability to watch over you and to provide for you and to say, this is my son. What have you need of? If you got eternal life tonight, if you have eternal life, then you always were because there was only one form of eternal life. That was God. We always were. The reason we were because we were part of God. God is the only thing that's eternal. We're part of God. You always was. You don't remember it because you was an attribute in God. Just like Luke, Andrew, Adriana, Katie does not remember being a part of me. We don't remember being a part of God. You were only in his thinking. Now me as a man, mortal man, I had hopes of having children. I had hopes of having son. I had hopes of having daughters. I had hopes, I had, had dreams, but this wasn't God. He ain't just hoping to have sons. He said, I will have a son. He's not dreaming of having daughters. He said, I will have daughters. 
We're part of God. You always was, and you always will be. Now, as a mortal man, been many times it's happened. Something's happened between a son and a father, and the father write him out of the will. Change his mind. You're not going to be my son. God don't do it this way. He can't. Because he can't change. Oh, God. I'm so thankful I ain't getting up every morning seeing the son. It's like, does he love me? Does he hate me? Am I still in his will? Am I not in his will? No, the son's up. His mercies are new. <laughs> He's got mercy for my day to day. No matter what I go through, no matter what trial I'm in, no matter what I'm facing, there is enough mercy for me because the sun is up. God had you in his thinking at the beginning. Your life that's in you now had to be in God before then, eternal life, eternal portion. When he, he, before he he even became material, he became material before anything, but God, you were one of his attributes. He knew what your name would be. He knew what color of hair you would have. He knew all about you. So tonight, he knows you. If you have needs, physical need, he knows it. If you have a material need, he knows it. If you have a situation in your life that you can't handle, he knows it. If you have things that you don't know what to do with, situations, he knows all about it. He knows you because you was in his mind. He says, after a while, you heard the gospel. Maybe you went to church. You picked out this and that, went from one denomination to the other. But one day, you being part of God, you had to be part of the word. And when you heard the word, you knew where you come from. (laughs) You knew that this was the truth. You were always, the seed was all in you always. The word, seeing the word that was in you, that was placed in you before the foundation of the world. Like the little eagle story. A little eaglet hatched out under a hen. Little fellow walking around with the chickens, hens clucking. He didn't understand their clucking. Didn't understand their diet. Couldn't get enough. Couldn't get enough satisfaction from it. Something seemed different. Something seemed off. He tried drugs. He tried every kind of thing. Come on now. In this story right here, you wasn't you wasn't a chicken who turned into an eagle. You were always an eagle. But as an eagle, you'd done some dirty things. Because you were born in a chicken yard. You was born away from the grace of Almighty God. You was born in sin. So as an eagle, that life has seen on the inside of you. You might have smoked, you might have doped, you might have done all kinds of things. But something on the inside of you said, this ain't right. This ain't right. This ain't right. So you'd start, things begin to move, things begin to change. You'd feel a little pull and you'd show up over here and you'd show up over there and you was looking for the truth. But all of a sudden, one day the word called out to you and the word called you by name. Hallelujah. Amen. When you was in the middle of the muck of the chicken yard, the eagle came looking for you. 
It wasn't the little eaglet looking for his mama. It was the mama looking for the little eaglet. And it came flying over saying, I know I got another one over here somewhere. And it flew over and it screamed out. And something on the inside of that little eagle said, hey, that sounds like what I should be doing. That looks like me up there. That's who I want to be up there. Amen. I've been looking at these chickens. I can't find nothing familiar about them. There's nothing that they're eating that's satisfied. They're yearning on the inside of my heart. And the scream begins to pull him out up on a post to where he could get enough room to begin to use them wings. And he would lift off and fly into the heavenlies to what he was always supposed to be. That's the way it is with every born-again believer. You can hear all the theology. You can hear man-made things, creeds and dogmas. But when the word flashes, there's something that takes hold. It quickens. There has to be a life there first. And God, knowing it was there, he sent the word after you. He said, I heard a little similar story. He said, I hope it don't sound sacrilegious about a little duck being born under him one time. He couldn't understand a funny looking little fellow, odd guy. He couldn't understand the dust. He couldn't understand everything. They were playing in the barnyard. But one day the old hen let the little brood out from behind the barn. He got a smell of water. He took towards that water as hard as he could go. Why? He had never even been to a pond before. He had never been in water before. But he was a duck to begin with. That's the only thing he had to do was come to himself. Hallelujah. Amen. When there was what happened to the prodigal son, he was a son to begin with. He didn't find out he was a son in a, in a, in a pig pen. He was already a son. And the Bible says he came to himself. Why am I living the way I'm living? Why am I doing the things I'm doing? I'm only going deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. There's something. There's a light. There's something that keeps pulling me. It's pulling me upwards. It's pulling me to know somebody. It's pulling me to know God. It's calling unto me. Why? Because you was always a duck. You was always an eagle. God, who is rich in mercy, he said he would have wiped them out there in the flood. He said, but God was rich in mercy and made a way for the innocent not to perish with the guilty. And God is also rich in mercy, made a provision for those who wants to be redeemed. He made a provision for those who wants to be healed because he's rich in mercy. Then because that he did this, that makes him rich in mercy as he has always been rich in mercy. You go through quite a bit of testimonies of Congressman Upshaw sitting in a wheelchair and Another lady that was eaten up with cancer. He said, but she's sitting here healed. He said, why? He said, because God is rich in mercy and he sent his power on her. Amen. Congressman Upshaw, same thing, paralyzed. Looked like it wasn't never going to make it out. But God, who is rich in mercy. He said, it was another little girl. The do- I, seen, I seen a doctor with 
tortoiseshell glasses operating on a little colored girl for a throat condition. She was paralyzed. I looked around and thought, where's that child at? I couldn't see her. After a while, way down there, no hope. She didn't have no hope. Lovely little girl, about seven, eight years old, been paralyzed to be paralyzed the rest of her life. And there was a mother on her knees praying. And I said, the doctors operate on your little girl and described it all. She said, that's right, sir. Then she tried to get the baby to the platform. They told her to do it. And they tried to quieten her down. About the time they got her quiet, I thought, well, we'll get a chance to pray for her in a few minutes. Maybe people here. And I was looking over the audience. And I seen that little girl walking down a little narrow road with a doll in her arms rocking that doll. No matter how much the doctor had said she was going to be paralyzed the rest of her life, God, rich in mercy, sent down his Holy Spirit and he made that little girl walk again. Because he's rich in mercy. We've witnessed him to be that. In our congregation, rich, not running out, not wearing down, not giving up. No, no, God's not going to give up on you. You know, once the church had no provided way of healing, but God, rich in mercy, sent them a gift of divine healing. He said, that's the Holy Spirit among us confirming the word with signs following because it's God rich in mercy. He said, maybe here tonight, the doctors have turned you down. People may be sitting in wheelchairs, maybe never come out of there, they say. They're there to stay. Some of them paralyzed in different ways. There's no way for them to come out, but God is rich in mercy and he's providing an atonement. Don't turn it down. Maybe you feel like you'll never come out of this sin. Maybe you feel paralyzed by all the things you've been in your life and, and situations in your life and you gave up hope. But there's an atonement. There's a price that has been paid that every sinner can go free. Because God is still rich in mercy tonight. He sit down the Holy Ghost. And he's right here to confirm his word. Because we deserve it? Oh no. It's not because of what I've done. It's only because God is rich in mercy. It was a little foul prostitute went one day to a well to get some water. No hope. She had been excommunicated from, from people. Her life was no good. She thought, what's the use of trying? I'm nothing. There's nothing left for me. But she looked, standing over the one side of the well was a man sitting there, or sitting on one side of the well was a man sitting there who told her all the things she had ever done. Why? Because God is rich in mercy. The same God tonight is just as rich in mercy and just the same he was then. Let's turn to the last scripture again in Psalms 136. Actually, this psalm was a a psalm the Levites, I'm reading about it today, 
the Levites would read. And the first part they would read, and the second part, for his mercy endureth forever, the congregation would say. So there's a Levite standing here before you tonight. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good. <laughs> oh, give thanks unto the God of God. Oh, give thanks to the Lord of Lords. To him who alone doth great wonders. To him that by wisdom made the heavens. To him that stretches out the earth above the waters. To him that smote Egypt in their firstborn. And brought out Israel from among them. With a strong hand and with a stretched out arm. To him that divided the Red Sea into parts. And made Israel to pass through the midst of it. Hallelujah. But overthrew Pharaoh and his hosts in the Red Sea. To him which led his people through the wilderness. To him who smote great kings. To him who slew famous kings. Let me say it like this. To him who slew kings of cancer. To him who slew the king of alopecia. Amen. To him who slew famous kings. Shihon, king of the Amorites. And Og, the king of Bashan. And gave their land for an inheritance. Even the heritage unto Israel, his servant. Who remembered us in our lowest state. Hallelujah. And hath redeemed us from our enemies. Who giveth food to all flesh. Oh, give thanks unto the God of heaven. For his mercy endureth forever. In other words, his mercy has no end. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He brought them out by his mercy. He took them through the Red Sea by his mercy. He took them through the wilderness by his mercy. And he took them in by his mercy. Hallelujah. Oh God, the same God that delivered them, the same God that brought you out of your sin by his mercy, brought you through all your trials by his mercy, brought you through your sickness by his mercy, brought you through every situation by his mercy and will take you to the other side because his mercy endures forever. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, when the sun comes up in the morning, you say, oh, son, I see you again, and his mercy is now renewed over my life. And I got enough mercy for another day. Let's stand together. Brother Tim, you sing that song, his mercy rewrote my life. How many can say that right now? His mercy rewrote my life. Maybe you can't say that tonight, but you can. <laughs> Maybe you hadn't found that mercy, but you can. Yeah. 
Maybe you ain't found that grace, but you can. Maybe you ain't found that love and that compassion, but you can. He came looking for you. He remembered you when you was in your lowest state. He remembered you when you felt like giving up. He remembered you when you said, there ain't no way, I can't make it. He said, I've already made it. My mercy endureth forever. Jeremiah would write this, in the middle of great trials, in the middle of great struggles, in the middle of calamity all around him. You can read about it. He goes through it very, very detailed of the calamity that was taking place. And right in the middle of it, right in the middle of it, I want to get this right. He would stop. And he said, it is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed. Because his compassions fail not, they are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. There's a faithful God for you tonight. Maybe just bow our heads for a moment. Just feel the pull. A heart that wants this mercy, that desires this mercy that desires this grace. So Brother Timothy, I, I've been in some low places, lost hope. Been like a ship out on the ocean just drifting around. Satan has bombarded me on every side, tried to destroy my life with every kind of sin and every kind of thing. But I heard about God's mercy tonight. I just want to slip up a hand and say, God, remember me. Remember me, Lord. I want your mercy, Lord. I want your grace. I want your compassion. Lord, I, I don't want your judgment. I don't, I don't want that. I want you, Lord. I, I desire you, Father. I want you, God. I say yes. Father, take these few words, Lord, tonight. Seemed like the enemy tried everything he could to knock it down, to keep it subdued. Even in my own thoughts and thinking, Lord, God, you're here to have your way because your mercy endureth forever. Let mercy fall in this midst of these people this evening. Hands were lifted all over this building. God, I ask, Father, that you would take another step closer and move towards you because you're drawing them. Lord, may we stop pulling against you but walk with you, Lord. Let you lead and let you guide. Let you move in our lives. Touch our hearts by your grace, I pray. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your grace. Because truly, Lord, it rewrote my life. 
Lord, where would I be tonight, Lord, if it wasn't for mercy? Lord, if it wasn't for your grace, Lord, in my life, where would I be? Thank you, Jesus. I just want to say thank you, Lord. Thank you for not leaving me where you found me. Lord, when I'd fall and I'd stumble, thank you for not leaving me behind. Lord, in your grace and mercy, just pick me up again and make me help me make another step. Lord, may there be some, may be somebody here tonight that feel like they stumbled and fell. But Lord, may they feel that arms of that mother reach down and just pick them up. Bring them steps closer to you. Bless each heart and each life, we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Mercy, it rewrote my life. When I could have fallen, my soul. I travel down a road of wrong. My heart had lost its joy, and I had lost my song. But your grace come and place me right where I belong. And
crowd Down that road of wrong My heart had lost its joy And I, I lost my song But your grace, it come and place me Right where I belong And your mercy, Lord, it rewrote my life Oh, your mercy, it rewrote my life Your mercy, it